Well, I'm very excited this morning. We've got Pastor David Christian, who was on staff here for 25 years. And uh, um, prior to that, he was a missionary. And uh, I think it was Ecuador, was it? Mexico, then Ecuador. And uh, now he's working, writing a book. Um, I think he's still working on it, right? And uh, he's a traveling teacher. He's an author teacher currently. And so I would like you to welcome him. And if I can say one word about Pastor David as we are worshiping this morning is faithful. He is a faithful brother. And would you welcome Pastor David as he comes to share God's word with us this morning? Thank you, Pastor Tom. On March 12 of this year, on a Sunday afternoon, in Seattle, Washington, in a park called Golden Gate, Golden Gardens Park, Kelly Heron, a young woman of 36, was four miles into her 10-mile run, and she stopped into a public restroom. As she was washing her hands, she sensed something and turned around and was accosted by a man. Later, she said uh, that what she greatly feared came upon her, basically, in so many words. He began to assault her and beat her and uh, beat on her knees and beat her about. And she was on the floor. He took her down to the floor and... Uh, she began to feel herself going unconscious. And then she remembered the words of the trainer. Everybody say the words, the, the words of the trainer. This man had a string of assaults on women. He wasn't from the area. The words of the trainer for Kelly were, if you're ever assaulted, trust your intuition be loud, respond immediately, and you don't have to punch. Hit with an open hand, put your hard bones on their soft, fleshy places. Those four things came back to her mind as she felt herself going unconscious. She began to beat the side of his head with the heel of her hand. She began clawing and gouging at his eyes. And she was able to crawl out from underneath the stalled door where she was on the floor and used her carabiner to lock the man in the women's restroom <laughs> until the police arrived and arrested him. Now, also out there in Seattle, there's this guy named Jordan Giarratano. He's 35. Uh, Kelly was on the news on Good Morning America two days later on March 14. He was on that program too. He had earned his black belt at 16, taught self-defense courses ever since. And he opened Fighting Chance Seattle back in 2011, his own business, and taught self-defense. Well, Kelly's employer had recently hired him to come in and offer their employees a two-hour class on self-defense. And Kelly took the class. And she was on the floor feeling herself going unconscious, and she remembered the words of the trainer. Jordan said this, What's most surreal is that she just did a two-hour workshop with me. 
I talked to her Monday, so this would be the day before he was on the program. And I was really impressed at how much she retained and what came to her in the adrenaline response of that attack. Jaritano said he is used to the satisfaction of empowering students to stand up for themselves and prevent violence, which he notes is the best case scenario. But to get feedback that his teaching potentially saved a life is almost too big to wrap your head around. I feel humbled and I feel valuable that I was a link in the chain that brought this information to her, Jaritano said. It is something I do because I believe women should feel safe. It's emotionally, philosophically, and spiritually important to me. I was driving down the freeway about 10 or 12 years ago, doing my usual weaving in and out and getting there quicker than I would have otherwise. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to drive in such a way that your wife feels safe. See, the way I used to look at it was, I'm, I'm driving safe. I know what I'm doing. I've got control. I'm keeping her safe. But the Lord kind of fine-tuned that a little bit. You need to drive in such a way that she feels safe. So that's what I like about Jordan Jaritano is he really valued what he could do to help women not only feel safe, but be safe. Now, this is a totally secular example. What I want you to see here is how the words of the trainer came back to Kelly when she needed those words. How much more is this true of us, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, who put his word first in our life? And why do we do that? Is it all for nothing? So we're getting the word of God into our life and into our heart so that God can bring it out when we need it. And he will do that. I want to talk to you this morning about a very specific way, a very purposeful way to get the word of God into your heart. Because if you will put the word of God into your life when you don't need it, the Holy Spirit will bring it out when you do need it. He will do that. So I'm going to ask you to observe three levels of word penetration. And we're going to get into that. First, I want to tell another story. This one's my story. It was 1983. I had followed Pastor Dwayne. Jerry and I had got married, followed Pastor Dwayne into Mexico in uh, late 1982. And uh, 1983, I w we were in language school. I'm sorry, 1981, we went down there. I followed him around on the weekends in 1982 for much, pretty much the whole year, wherever he would go preaching on the weekends, I would accompany him and just learn by watching him. And, uh, and then at the end of the year, uh, he and uh, Jeannie and their, uh, I want to say two boys, they had Joshua and Samuel at that time, returned to Michigan because he was called by God to pastor up here. So 1983 was kind of like our first year on our own, so to speak. And it was the summer, and my wife was pregnant with our oldest daughter, Anna Rose. Uh, her husband, Daniel, is back there in the sound booth. Everybody give Daniel a hand. And she was probably about eight months pregnant with Anna. And my younger brother, Barry, was visiting us, and my wife's younger sister, Brenda, was visiting us. And there was you know, nothing going on there as far as that, that goes. They were, just happened to be there at the same time. And there was this place I wanted to visit outside of Guadalajara. It was a hill outside of town, 
there was a big cross up there, and uh, it wasn't a real, like, touristy place, but it was some place that you could go and you could climb up this hill by this cross, and you could look out and see, like, the city of Guadalajara off in the distance. And I just heard about it, and I just wanted to experience it, you know, and uh, share it with my brother and my sister-in-law, and got specific directions and drove on the what they call the Petiferico. It's like the ring road that goes all around the outside of Guadalajara. And uh, drive off at a certain uh, dirt road, park, walk, get to this hill, walk up the hill, which we did, three of us. Got up there. There was a few tourists up there. And within a few moments, those tourists left. They had seen what they wanted to see, and they left. And within less than a minute, about 15 young men came out of the woods with pseudo-military fatigues, sunglasses, kind of unkempt, knives in their belts, dilated pupils. And I instantly spotted which one was their leader. And I began to put on a big grin and just chat, just small talk with them, with my little bit of Spanish I had. And inside I'm going, Jesus, what do I do? But just smiling and chatting and talking like I was having a good time, and like I was an idiot, you know. And the Lord said, preach the gospel glad. That's what I got in my spirit. And I'd just been studying in the word where how simple the gospel is, you know, the simplicity of the message. And I'm like, I can do this. And I just kept that smile on my face and just began preaching the gospel and telling these guys the good news of Jesus Christ and how they could be saved and they could be born again and what he had done in my life. And, and I watched a blanket come over them and this whole sense of evil just kind of like took a left turn and went away. It was the most amazing thing. I watched it with my own eyes. And here's my brother and my sister-in-law. You know what thoughts are going through my mind. What was their intent? Wow. So they basically said, well, okay, that's nice. We're going to be on our way. They walked to the bottom of the hill. And then there was another little hill at the bottom with a bunch of trees on it. And you could see them kind of go down there and kind of hide themselves among these trees. And I knew what they were thinking. We're going to make a better, you know, encounter or whatever. And so we started down the hill the other way that we'd come up, got halfway down there, the trees, and here's one of them with a pair of binoculars. So they were probably like doing signals, right? So I kept on acting like my stupid self. Hey, cool, binoculars. Hey, can I use your binoculars? Can I try that? And I just, he handed me his binoculars, and I just took, you know, I was careful not to look over there where I knew the other guys were, but took a uh, look off in the distance, cool, and gave him back to him and headed on down the hill. Perfect timing, about 15 villagers came out of the countryside. Donkeys, mamas, papas, kids, you know, it was so perfect. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because it gave us a little more time. And we had probably an eighth of a mile to a quarter mile to walk back to our vehicle. So, like, we're not going to run, but we made, you know, a fast walk, <laughs> trying to look nonchalant. And uh, my brother didn't believe there was a, a problem at all. 
thought it was all in my imagination. So there was that. But my sister-in-law was very, very aware of what the situation really was. And when we finally got to the car, my brother was maybe 40 yards behind, and then another 40, 50 yards behind him was this whole group of young men that was following him. And uh, he got to the van, we shut the door and drove off. So if we'll put the word of God in when we don't need it, the Holy Spirit will bring it out in our life when we do need it. And I needed it. I needed God to light up something on the inside of me and give me some direction. And he did. And he will do that for you. So I want to show you three ways to increase word penetration in your life. Hopefully you'll be blessed by this. It blessed me. I shared it up in Duego a couple years ago. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how could I do this, get the word more penetrated into my life? I'm glad you asked. God has so created you in his image, spirit, soul, and body, that he has given you a way to get the word of God in at all three levels. And if you'll trust God that he really means what he really says, that he'll sanctify you, holy, spirit, soul, and body, he will do that. On the road to Emmaus, two disciples on the day of the resurrection were walking, and Jesus fell in step with them, and uh, they didn't recognize him. But he said, why are you so sad, and what are you talking about? So they said, well, the, thing, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel, Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these ha things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then, you know, the part where they turned in to get something to eat. He went in with them. And then in the breaking of bread, their eyes were opened. They saw that it was him and he vanished. When he was gone, this is what they said to each other. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? I was talking with a friend recently and I said, If you were sitting at this table here, let's pretend I'm Jesus, and you could have me, I'm Jesus. You could have me in your life sitting here and talk to me, or you could have the Bible and the Holy Spirit together. Which one would you pick? Most people would say Jesus, right? But actually, 
if you study the Word in the Gospels, it's actually better to have the Bible and the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Well, it's because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. But they had Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus was with them. They had that. And he spoke to them, and it became real and became alive on the inside of them. The way that that word became alive on the inside of them, that's what I want to talk to you about, is how does that happen? So here's how it happens. I'm just going to propose. I know a lot of you, you know, read the Bible on your phones, uh, and that's fine. Uh, and uh, maybe listen to an audio Bible. But I want to challenge you to try something that might not be your custom right now, and that is to grab an actual Bible in your home, in the quiet place, your favorite chair, when no one is stirring, and you can just be quiet and get before the Lord. Grab your physical Bible with your physical hands. We're talking about word penetration, right? So right now I'm talking to you about your body. Everybody say my body. body. Okay. So grab your physical Bible, hold it in your physical hands, read it out loud with your physical mouth, look at it with your physical eyes, listen to it with your physical ears. That is the first level of interacting with the Word of God. Get your body involved in the Word of God. Do that. You know, the word meditation in the Bible, it actually has a physical component to it, right? A lot of you know that. The word meditation in the Bible actually comes from the word that means murmur or to mutter something. So it actually involves speaking. And you remember the words of God to uh, Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. So God wants his word in our physical mouth. He wants us saying it. So that can happen when you're in a conversation it can happen when you're praying, but I believe that the fountain or the source or the, the best level of having the word not depart out of your mouth is just that time that you make for you and Jesus alone, that you get your Bible and you read it out loud and you just let the word penetrate your physical senses. You know, we talk about the eye gate, the ear gate, the mouth gate, the soul has different gates. So what we're doing is, when we read it out loud, we're maximizing our opportunity to get the Word of God into us, physically. Secondly, there's the soul. The soul, that's your mind, will, and emotions. So as you're reading the Word of God out loud, and I don't care where you read, it's all the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Just pick something that you want to read. It doesn't have to be a long passage. It can be, might even be better if it was a short passage. Your soul is hungry for the intellectual content of what you're reading. So get your mind engaged and think about what you're reading. Try to visualize historically what's happening here. Try to step into it. Try to mentally connect with the content of God's Word. Now that is actually the hardest part. The first part is what I call the easy part. Get the Bible in your hands, read it out loud, so on and so forth. Second part is what I call the hard part because that's where you're actually working to try to get the Word of God to penetrate your understanding in your mind and your thoughts. And so you're getting it through the body gates, right? You're getting it through the body, but it's, 
it's starting to enter into your soul. Now, I find that, that my mind wanders when I'm reading the Bible. Has anybody ever experienced that before? Am I the only one? So it actually helps me to read it out loud. That helps me keep my mind on what I'm doing. But even when I'm reading it out loud, sometimes my mind still wanders. I'm like, I'm reading it out loud, and my mind is like way over here somewhere. I'm like, get back over here. So like, you know, get your soul involved and keep it involved in the intellectual content of what you're reading. This is the hard part. This is the work. You know, they said, what must we do that we may work the works of, of God? And he said, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. And he said, labor not for the meat that perishes, but labor for the meat that endures unto eternal life. That's the word of God. And he said, labor. I mean, we talk about the rest, right? The rest of faith. But it takes work to enter into that rest. It says so in Hebrews chapter 4. So I want you to think about getting your mind involved in the content of what you're reading to get your soul involved. This is the hard part. Now, when God sees you doing the easy part, and he sees you doing the hard part of trying to understand these words, the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to show you something. And this is where your spirit becomes involved. But this is the best part. When the Holy Spirit begins to take something that you're reading and make it come alive inside of your spirit, man. That's the third level. That's the level of revelation. When those men were on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus was talking to them and saying, fools and slow of heart to believe, didn't you know that all these things had to happen? Later they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us in the way? And that is the normal experience of a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those were two nameless disciples. So this story is not about how great these two disciples are. We don't even have their names. I think later it says what one of their names was. Cleopas, right? But, I mean, it's not about that. It's about this is a normal experience for a disciple who puts Jesus first, puts his word first, is that the Holy Spirit will light that up on the inside of you, and there's a reason why he's doing that, because he knows your life better than you do. He knows what you need. He knows that there could be a time in the future that you're going to desperately need that revelation. Now, the time when we're really going to desperately need a certain revelation is when we stand before God. <laughs> and we're going to be glad that the Holy Spirit showed us who Jesus is, and we said, yes, I want you for my Lord and Savior. We could only know that by revelation who he is. If you know who Jesus is and you've made him Lord of your life, that's revelation. That's the Holy Spirit making that alive on the inside of you. But you physically put your body in a meeting where you could hear the gospel, or you physically put your body in front of a friend who shared the gospel with you, and your mind maybe fought against, as my mind did, fought against the truth of the gospel for months and years. And finally, the Holy Spirit lit it up on the inside of me like, oh, he really is who the Bible says he is. And then he became my Lord and Savior when I invited him in, as you have also. So let's review this briefly. You are made in God's image, spirit, soul, and body. 
the spirit part of you is centered around in your belly somewhere. And that's the part of you where God lives. His spirit joined unto your spirit, and you became one spirit with God in the new birth. Your soul, that's your mind, will, and emotions. And then together they make up your heart, and that's inside of your physical body, which is going to dry up and blow away, right, someday? But use all three levels of these to increase word penetration in your life. Get your body involved with a physical Bible, your, your, your hearing function, your, your sight function, your function of speech. Get it all involved. And get your mind involved and think about what you're reading. And as you do that, have some expectancy. Have some faith that he sees your effort. He sees your labor. He sees the work that you're putting into it. And he will add to you the best part, the revelation that only he can give. When you're meditating in the Word, you're not looking for a sermon. You're not looking for a teaching. You're looking for Jesus. You're looking for Jesus to show up and make it come alive to you. He said, my sheep hear my voice. You know, it's interesting that those two disciples, when they were on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus himself was talking to them, they didn't know that it was Jesus talking to them. But it still had the same effect. So when you're reading the Bible, and you're thinking about the content, and you're listening to the words, the Holy Spirit can start to light up something on the inside of you, and you might not even know it's the Holy Spirit. You might just think it's your mind, still just working a little bit harder now. And then later you'll be like, Lord, I think you showed me that. I never saw that in there before. That's normal experience of a disciple of Jesus Christ. So let's go over this again. There's the easy part, holding the Bible with our body, processing it with our senses. And there's the second part of our soul and our mind getting involved, thinking about the content. And then there's the third part where the Holy Spirit lights up our spirit and opens up something to us and reveals something to us. So many times in my life I've been delivered out of a crisis because of something that I had meditated on and the Holy Spirit lit it up and it became real and it became powerful in a difficult moment of life. For example, two years after that experience with those crazy guys in Guadalajara, uh, Anna had been born, Daniel's wife back there. She had been born. She was about two years old. She was attacked with a disease in her body that took away all of her muscular control. She was in the hospital, unable to move. And I went out in the hall, and I said, Lord, how did this get in? And he showed me a wrong thought I had allowed, and the devil used that. And basically, it was... A thought I had allowed about vaccinations aren't vaccinations. Aren't, isn't that an actual dose of the real disease? And I had that thought. And I didn't do anything with it. And then a couple months later, she had this disease that could have killed her. It doesn't kill everyone. Some people recover. There is no cure for it. But I said, oh, thank you, Lord. I repent for not 
casting that imagination down. Will you please give me a word for this situation? Just like that. Mark eleven twenty three. I mean, he knew that I knew what that said, but I just got Mark eleven twenty three. Speak to the mountain. Got it. Went back in the hospital room, told my wife what happened. We began hammering and hammering and hammering that thing, commanding that mountain of disease to depart out of her life. And they said she wouldn't go home sooner than a week, and it would be with a bunch of monitors and wires and tubes and stuff like that. She was home within two days, no wires, no monitors, no nothing. And she was walking within a week, and within a month she was running again. You know, So when I say you know, put, the, put effort into the Word of God when you don't need it, and the Holy Spirit will bring it out of you when you do need it. He will. And I'm no, he, he's no respecter of persons. He'll do the same thing for you. And I'm sure he already has. Maybe you don't even realize it. But that is a normal disciple experience. So grab your Bible. Read it out loud. Think about the words. Believe that the Holy Spirit will make it come alive to you. And it will make a difference in your life. Let's stand. Pastor Tom. So if we'll choose the good part, like Mary did, the sister of Martha, it won't be taken from us. It'll be right there when we need it. Right in the middle of our everyday life situations, even the unexpected ones. Father, thank you for showing us how to be true disciples that continue in your word and know the truth and are made free by the truth. I thank you for all the deliverances in life that you've given us through your word. You sent your word and healed them and delivered them from other destructions. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tom. Thank you, Pastor David. Very practical message, very powerful message. You know, sometimes the longest trip we would ever take is only 18 inches in length, it's from our head to our heart. And as Pastor David was sharing, thinking about, you know, our mind processing the Word of God. But the important part is to get it into our heart, in our innermost being. Um, the Bible says that out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. And every one of us that has received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us. We carry the presence of God. And as we leave here this morning, we need to recognize and realize that, that the presence of God goes with us. And that's what makes the difference in every person's life that we come in contact with. So guys, as we leave, let's remember that we carry the presence of God, that it'll change people's lives, it'll change their hearts. In Jesus' name.